The following sermon is from New Life Baptist Church, where we exist to see lives transformed by the gospel as we make, mature, and mobilize disciples of Jesus. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at newlifeba.org. We live in a world with many scientific and historical mysteries and phenomena, don't we? And I brought this up maybe a little, uh, a few months ago, uh, but, but we live in a world with mysteries such as what, what is dark matter? And some of you don't even know, might not even know what that is, so Google that later on. But, but what is it? No, I guess nobody knows what it is, you know, but, uh, but, but what is that? Or, or what happens inside a black hole? Or how many stars are there in the universe? And, and, and for me, maybe, maybe y'all can explain it to me, but, but it just astounds me to think how the earth so precisely both orbits around the sun and spins on its axis in such a synchronous way. And we have no clue it's doing that right now. That, that's astounding. Or maybe historical mysteries. Who, who built Stonehenge and how did they do it? Where is Cleopatra's tomb? Who, who really is behind Maybe this is controversial, but who really is behind the JFK assassination? And a fun one, is Elvis still alive, right? <laughs> so we live in a time of mysteries and phenomenons. I, I think there are some things in the Christian life that can feel equally as perplexing and mysterious, such as what is God's will? How, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? And what should I do with my life? Well, over the next two or three Sundays, we'll see how it goes. uh, We will learn from God's word how we can know the will of God, how we can know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we'll find out how we can walk in wisdom. And so I have one point for you this morning, and it's very simple, and that is walk in wisdom. If you have your Bibles open, and thank you, Bailey, for reading our passage this morning, uh, verses 15 through 17, verses 15 through 16 is where we'll be at this morning. So look at these two verses with me. The Apostle Paul writes, look carefully then how you walk. And so notice that word then, right? Paul is referencing what we talked about last week, that because we are children of light, Because we are to walk in the light and because we are to call others into the light. Therefore, in light of this profound truth, Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. Paul, he is calling us to live to live attuned and in step with the spiritual realities that are ours in Christ. Not not to live our days detached from our identity in Christ, but to live in accordance with who we are in Jesus Christ. And when we do so, when we remember and live according to our gospel identity, that we are now alive in Christ, that we are now sons and daughters of the living and reigning and one true God that we are children of the light. When we live in light of these realities, it should lead us then, Paul says, to a premeditated and a purposeful kind of intentional living rather than just living reactionary and a passive approach to life. Look then carefully how you walk. Think circumspect about 
your life. Take inventory of what you are doing in life. And he continues to say, not as unwise, but as wise. John Calvin, he he begins his famous work of the Institutes by saying this. Wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom. So, in other words, real wisdom, godly wisdom. It consists almost entirely of two parts. The knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. Wisdom, it consists in two parts. Knowledge of God and therefore knowledge of ourselves. And so question, church. Where do we grow in our knowledge of God? Not a rhetorical. Where, where do we go to to grow in our knowledge of God? I'll give you a prop. There we go. Amen. The Bible. That's an, that's an easy one, right? The Bible. And then where do we go to gain the truest understanding of ourselves? Well, well it's not found in a psychology textbook. The truest under, form of understanding ourselves, it is found in God's word. In God's word, we find a concentrated dose of wisdom. Yes, in the book of Proverbs. And so just practically, I want to encourage you that in addition to your Bible reading plan, maybe consider tacking on a proverb for the day. So today is August 13th. So today, read August 13th. There are, 30, there are, 31, uh, there are 31 proverbs and there are 30 to 31 days in the month. And so that lines up really well. And so, yes, we find God's wisdom in the book of Proverbs. But at the same time, there is godly wisdom to be found on every single page of Scripture. And so here's the key. How do we walk not as unwise but as wise? Here's the key. One of the main ways we grow in godly wisdom is through reflectively and prayerfully meditating on God's word. One of the main ways we grow in godly wisdom is through reflectively and prayerfully meditating on God's word. How many of you have spent time maybe reading God's word and then an hour later you can't remember what you just read, right? Am I the only one that that, ha- that has happened to me before, right? But what I've also found is that meditating, it is the key to remembering, Meditating is the key to remembering. That's why in Joshua 1.8, the Lord tells Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate on it day and night. And in Psalm 1, chapter, uh, verse 2, David says that the righteous man's delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so what is Meditation. Well, what I'm referring to and what the Bible teaches, it isn't some practice of sitting down, crossing your legs, closing your eyes, breathing deep, doing something really weird with your hands, and trying to go to your happy place. This may be a worldly view of meditation, but this is not the biblical view of meditation. Christian meditation, it's not an emptying of yourself of the things of life. Christian meditation, rather, it involves filling yourself more with God and his truth. Tim Keller, he once said this, he said, and we'll unpack it a touch, but he said, meditation is thinking a truth out and then thinking a truth in until its ideas become big and sweet, moving and affecting, and until the reality of God is sensed upon the heart. In other words, if you didn't catch all that, when we meditate on God's word, 
what we're seeking to do is extract truth out. Think of it as a mind, right? You're seeking to extract truth out of God's word. And then with that truth, you're seeking to impress it upon your heart in such a way that one, we delight in God's truth. And two, we therefore then determine to live our days in light of his truth. This is what it means to meditate on God's word. But then maybe practically you might be asking, that's great. But how do I daily meditate on scripture? How do I walk as not as unwise, but as wise? Well, I think four helpful ways to meditate on God's word. First, prepare your heart. And as any good preacher, they all start with P's uh, to, to remind yourself. But first, prepare your heart. A, a busied and a hurried heart cannot meditate well on God's word. So I encourage you, before you spend time reading, just take a minute and still yourself before the Lord. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Listen, we come to this book not as a chapter book and a novel. We come to this book expecting to hear from God. And so before then, prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Tell the Lord, Father, you know how anxious and busy and hurried my heart is right now as I think about all the things I must do today. But I pray, Father, calm my busied heart and help me to enter into your presence with a waiting spirit, ready to hear from you. And, and I, before I, I, I read, go into my Bible time, I, I try to always pray Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Prepare your heart before you enter into meditating. And then secondly, pause and ponder as you read. Pause and ponder. If there is maybe a certain verse that pops out to you that intrigues you while you're reading, then, then listen, this is probably the Holy Spirit's work within you. And so then read that verse again slowly. Maybe take it one word at a time as you reread it. You know, when, when you, when you uh, go to a steakhouse, Emily and I, we had uh, a gift card. And so we went to Mahogany's for our anniversary. And trust me, the gift card did not cover the expense, but, uh, which was a shock to myself. Uh, but uh, uh, but when, we, when you go to a fine steakhouse, what do you do? Do you eat the food as quickly as you can? No, you don't eat the steak as fast as you, you, you enjoy it. You eat it slowly. And that's what it means to meditate on God's word. Read it slowly enjoy the truth of God's word. Maybe if you don't quite understand, read again, ask the spirit of God to open your eyes. Ask, ask questions like, what, what is the truth this passage reveals about God, about the human condition, about Christ, about the gospel, about God's work of redemption? How, how do I see God at work in this passage? So we are to prepare our hearts. We're to pause and ponder upon the text. But then thirdly, church, we are to press the truth into our heart. And this is the reflective stage. Ask yourself, is what this passage is referring to, the truths that it is pointing to, is this true in my life? What are the ways my heart and my life is out of step, out of sync with this truth? And so this is often where the discipline of repentance and self-reflection takes place. To, to live a flourishing Christian life means that you are daily walking in repentance and faith. 
And so God's word is meant to lead us to repentance, to restore us back to himself. So we are to prepare our heart. We're to pause and ponder. We're to press the truth in. And then finally, we are to pray and to plan after we finish reading. Pray that God would make this truth a reality in your life. And then I think this is the key. Not only pray that God would make this a reality in your life, but plan how you will carry this truth with you throughout your day. This may look like memorizing the verse. It may look like thinking how you will obey the Lord specifically in light of that truth. It may involve planning how to weave the truth that you just learned that morning into conversations throughout the day. Don't, don't just pray and hope, pray and plan. Plan your day. How, just like you carry your phone, your wallet, your keys, how will you carry this truth with you throughout your day? That's the key to not forget what you just read, but to remember to meditate on God's word continually. The, the way we continually meditate on God's word, it's not by shirking our responsibilities and living a monastic lifestyle of reading the Bible 16 hours a day. That's not what it means. The way we continually meditate on God's word day and night. That's not just, okay, 6 a.m., 6 p.m. That, it connotes a continual aspect of meditation. The way we do that is by carrying God's truth with us throughout our days. So I want to encourage you, the way we walk in wisdom, not as unwise, but as wise, is by meditating on God's word. In in short, when we meditate on scripture, we are seeking to let the truth of God's word invade and impact our heads, our hearts, and our hands throughout the day. And so we meditate on God's word to grow in godly wisdom, to gain a truer understanding of God and of ourselves. But notice also what Paul says. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. What does he say? Making the best use of the time. This phrase, it literally means to redeem or to purchase back the opportunities of our days. Galatians 6, 10, it says this. So then as we have opportunity, and that's the same word for time, you can can, uh, swap out opportunity and time. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially those who are of the household of faith. And so what Paul is telling us in verse 16 is this, that we are to actively look for and we are to search out ways in our days to do spiritual good in every situation and within every interaction. This isn't a let go and let God kind of living. No, Again, this is a planned, a volitional, an intentional, a purposeful way of living. Paul is calling us to this morning. We are to pray for our day and then we are to plan out our day rather than letting the day happen to us. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 21 verse 31. And it says this, the horse is made ready for the battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So listen, church, we're, we're not called to just bide our time doing things through, during our days that feed the self. No, we're called to ready the horse for battle. We're called to redeem the time all the while knowing our plans. They're probably not going to go the way we think. At the same time, we, we ready the horse and we entrust the battle, the victory to the Lord. The Christian life, it's to be an initiative taking, a purpose filled, a sacrificially giving and a missionally living kind 
of life. Now that's a lot of words, a lot of hyphenated words there. But it's to be initiative taking, a purpose filled, sacrificially giving, and missionally living kind of life. Why, 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 what is the urgency? Why are we to do this? Again, Paul tells us, because the days are evil. And so the question for walking in true godly wisdom, it's this. You want to walk in wisdom? Ask this question of yourself every day and thinking about your life in general. What is the most effective way I can spend my life to advance God's kingdom in this evil world? Walking in wisdom, it doesn't mean we react or we retreat or we bemoan these evil days. No, as children of light, church, we advanced forth, clothed in the whole armor of God and armed with the gospel to push back the darkness and to shine the light of Jesus Christ into every nook and cranny in our world. We are to shine the light of Jesus in these evil days to every unchurched person and to all unreached places. We are to shine the light of Jesus Christ from Broken Arrow all the way to Indonesia. This is what it means to walk in true wisdom. This is what it means to redeem the time. This is what it means to live for what will last and to live in light of eternity. This is what it means to live for the glory of God. And so a question then, how are you spending your days? Are you biding your time or are you redeeming the time? Are you living maybe, if you would be honest, are you living passively and purposelessly? Or are you investing the moments of your days, your situations and your interactions? Are you investing your days in order to yield the greatest gospel impact? Because listen, church, these days they are evil. Heaven and hell is real. The wrath of God is on the sons of disobedience we just heard about three weeks ago. And this lifetime is the only chance we will have to tell people the good news that Jesus can save them from their sins. Walk as not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. So listen, I'm not saying, right, again, similar to the meditation, I'm not saying you have to spend every waking minute sharing the gospel with others. That's just, that's impractical. But what I am saying is that to walk in wisdom means that we are living prayerfully and with a laser-focused intentionality throughout our days with the anticipation and the expectation that God might use us that day to see lives transformed by the gospel. That's what it means to redeem the time. And so I hope this is convicting for you because it definitely was for me in preparing this sermon. I'm preaching this to myself as much as I am preaching it to you. I can think about three weeks ago, an opportunity that I had with a person that I see very rarely, where I could have used that for great gospel impact. And instead, unfortunately, to my shame, I wasted that opportunity. I did not redeem the time. And so this is to myself as it is to us. But listen, church, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, let us press on to redeem the time. And far too often, right, I spend my days just trying to fulfill my responsibilities and check off my to-do list. Okay, what are the things that need to be done today? I can be so task-oriented that I fail to look for ways to leverage the interactions of my day 
for gospel impact. We, we need to be relational oriented, not just task oriented throughout our days. And so I think this morning, church, Jesus is telling us the days are evil. Yes. And so therefore, church, lift up your eyes and see the fields. They are white for harvest. C.T. Studd, a British missionary in the 19th century, he was a missionary to China, to India, and to Africa. He once said this, and it's a little long, but hang with me, please. He said, let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a Thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the good news when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. In other words, church, let us push back darkness and let us shine the light of Jesus Christ. Let us redeem the time that make the most of our opportunities because these days they are evil and souls are perishing. Worldly wisdom, it says that it is foolish to move your two young children and to live halfway around the world away from family and friends to share the gospel and to see churches planted. But while the world may deem this as foolish, listen, church, Jesus, he sees this as beautiful and as the truly wise way to live. As Romans 10 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We're not living according to worldly wisdom. We're living according to godly wisdom, according to the economy of God. And so we don't normally show videos in our services um, because I think sometimes they are more of a distraction than a benefit from what the Holy Spirit is doing during a sermon. But I thought this sermon excerpt from John Piper, it's about seven minutes, so it's a little longer. Uh, It's a little long, but I shortened my sermon because of this. Um, But it's about seven minutes, but I I think and I hope and I pray that it presses home the point of what it means to truly walk in wisdom. And so we'll go ahead and watch it if if we have it ready. You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. People that make a difference in the world are not people who have mastered a lot of things. They are people who have been mastered by a very few things that are very, very great. If you want your life to count, you don't have to have a high IQ and you don't have to have a high EQ. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have good looks. You don't have to be from a good family or from a good school. You just have to know a few basic, simple, glorious, majestic, obvious, unchanging, eternal things and be gripped by them and be willing to lay down your life for them, which is why anybody in this crowd can make a worldwide difference because it isn't you 
It's what you're gripped with. But one of the really sad things about this moment right now is that there are hundreds of you in this crowd who do not want your life to make a difference. All you want is to be liked. Maybe finish school, get a good job, find a husband or a wife, a nice house, a nice car, long weekends, good vacations, grow old, healthy, have a fun retirement, die easy, no hell. And that's all you want. You don't give a rip whether your life counts on this earth for eternity. That's a tragedy in the making. That is a tragedy in the making. About three weeks ago, we got news at our church that Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon. Ruby Eliason, over 80, single all her life, a nurse, poured her life out for one thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the sick and the poor in the hardest and most unreached places. Laura Edwards, a medical doctor in the Twin Cities, and then in retirement, partnering up with Ruby, also pushing 80, and going from village to village in Cameroon. And the brakes give way, over a cliff they go, and they're dead instantly. And I asked my people, is this a tragedy? Two women in their 80s, almost, a, a whole life devoted to one idea, Jesus Christ magnified among the poor and the sick in the hardest places, and 20 years after most of their American counterparts had begun to throw their lives away on trivialities in Florida and New Mexico, fly into eternity with a death in a moment. Is this a tragedy, I asked. It is not a tragedy. I'll read you what a tragedy is. I've got a little article here from Reader's Digest. You don't read Reader's Digest, I know that. But there is a generation who does. This is a tragedy. Title of the article, Start Now, Retire Early, February 1998. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when 
He was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. And there are people in this country that are spending billions of dollars to get you to buy it. And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream. The American dream, a nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement, collecting shells as the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account with what you did. Here it is, Lord, my shell collection. Look, Lord, my shell collection. And I've got a good swing. And look at my boat. God, Look at my boat, God. Well, not for Ruby and not for Laura. Don't waste your life. So church, I want to encourage you. Don't waste your life on the chaff of this world. That will be burned up in the end anyway. Instead, live for eternity. A few more days, church, and our journey is done. Approach every day purposefully and with a lasered focus, gospel intentionality to do spiritual good. And as the Lord gives opportunity to share the good news that Jesus saves with others around you. And so if you find yourself in the retirement season or soon to be, I'm not picking on you. Uh, with that video, but I just want to remind you, don't bide your time away. Redeem your time and actively serve Christ with the extra margin of time you may find yourself with now. If you have a beat to your heart and breath to your lungs, you have a purpose in your life, and that is to live for the glory of God, not for our own sakes. And, And if you find yourself in your 20s and your 30s, Your 40s, remember, life, it is a vapor. And soon your 20s will become your 30s. Your 30s will become your 40s. Your 40s will become your 50s and so on. And so today, determine to set the trajectory of your life. To live with gospel intentionality. Plan out your years and your seasons. Again, seldom will life go according to your plans, but we are still called to ready the horse for battle. Knowing that the Lord, he's the one who gives victory. He is the one who controls it all. And so no matter what season of life you find yourself in, may we together as a church join in with what Moses prayed in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, where he said, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Church, our life, it's a vapor. It's here one day, it's gone the next. 
And so in light of our passage and in light of eternity, I urge you, don't waste your life. But rather, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, redeeming your opportunities for the greatest gospel impact, because the days are evil. So in conclusion and in summation, church, the way we walk in wisdom is by first living meditatively on God's word. We prepare our hearts. We we pause and we ponder. We press the truth into our hearts and then we pray and we plan how we will carry that truth with us throughout our days. Secondly, we are to live missionally for God's kingdom. Right? And, and so just very, one very practical way this week that we, you can redeem the time is if you, your schedule permits, if you have availability this Wednesday at 3.30 to 3.45, get here around 3.30 to 3.45, we have an opportunity to meet the parents and the students of Arrowhead Elementary School to invite them to church, to pray with them. And if the Lord gives opportunity to share the gospel with them. This is what it means to, to, to use the ordinary moments of your days and to redeem them for gospel impact. I invite you, if you're able, to join us this Wednesday. Finally, how we walk in wisdom is we live mindful of eternity. Walking in wisdom be- means beginning your days with the end in mind. And therefore, approaching your days with great purpose, planning, rather than biding your time knowing we only have a short window on this earth to prepare ourselves for eternity. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you have any questions or if we can serve you in any way, please connect with us at newlifeba.org.